are. We'll be in Luke chapter 11. Hopefully uh, you guys had some fun there in the fellowship groups. Uh, thanks again to the Whites and James and Sarah uh, for this morning leading our hearts so far. We're going to continue in the book of Luke uh, in verse 37 of chapter 11. Um, as we continue on, um, Jesus is still uh, in his main discourses about what it means to be a disciple. And uh, here in verse 37, we get a really interesting uh, section of scripture. And I say interesting because uh, we're going to get a, a glimpse at Jesus that is a pretty unique glimpse uh, of, of who he is and things that he says. So anyway, without uh, couching it anymore, let's just jump right in. Verse 37 of Luke 11. Um, if you want to turn there, I don't have it up on the slide. So if you want to find it, it says, When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So, uh, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash his hands before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now now then, you Pharisee, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside also make the inside? But now as for what it is, or for now what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give a God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, and you, experts in the law. He's like, I'm getting to you. You just need to, just wait a second. I'm getting there. As for you, experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens that can hardly, they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Verse 47, Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed from the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. You know, this is an unusual uh, tone that Jesus strikes here in this passage. Jesus has had dinner with lots of people in the book of Luke. In fact, it was quite common for Jesus to have really good conversation over dinner, um, and actually, the Greeks and the Romans were well known for what's called the Greek and Roman Symposium, which meant that during dinner, you actually talked about really controversial things, kind of the opposite, maybe, of what we do today. 
like today, you're not really supposed to mention religion or politics, right? If you know, because you don't want to get things stirred up. Back then, that's what they talked about. But you know what's crazy is that even for the norm of a Roman Greek controversial decision topic conversation, this trounces that. The tone that Jesus strikes here is way more intense than any kind of normal dinner conversation that you would see in the first century. So the question is why? Why is Jesus so, you could say, angry here? Why is he so indignant? Why is he using such strong language, even uncomfortable at some points? Um, And that's a good question because usually when you find out, when you see someone get this indignant, you actually are able to uncover what they care about, uh, what matters to them. Uh, I don't know when you were growing up, if there was something that if you did it, you knew that your mom and dad were going to uh, not be excited about it. If there was something like you knew, like when I was growing up, we had a zero tolerance policy on lying. I mean, you could make a lot of mistakes in my family, um, but when you lied, you saw a side of mom and dad that you never saw before there was an indignance that would come out. There was a, a reverence. There was a, it didn't matter. I remember, I think I lied about like how many cookies I had once. Didn't matter. Zero tolerance. I had a, a date with Dr. Discipline um, that evening <laughs> um, because I lied. And I knew that that was, that was something that if I did, my mom and dad would respond a certain way to. So what is it that the Pharisees have done uh, in correspondence to that that has caused Jesus to respond with such indignation. Remember, Jesus has talked to people who had sex for money. He didn't talk to them like this. Jesus has talked to people who stole thieves, tax collectors. He didn't talk to them like this. Jesus has interacted with a lot of people who have made a lot of mistakes. Even Peter, who, who you know denies Jesus three times, doesn't necessarily get this sort of response that Jesus gives the Pharisees. And the question for us this morning is why? And I, I, don't, I think it can be easy to fall into a trap when we think about the Pharisees. And that trap can, can be that they were, they were just these awful people. Man, the Pharisees must have been some pretty bad folks, and they must have then had it coming. But all of our evidence outside of the Bible that talks about Pharisees is not negative. Most of it is very positive. In fact, Josephus, a Jewish historian, said that they were the most accurate interpreters of scriptures that he knew, that they were beloved by the people. They were not like the Sadducees who made backdoor deals with, you know, politicians and were corrupt. They were not like the Essenes who went out to live in the desert by themselves. The Pharisees were religious people who stayed in the community and tried to to interpret the law as best as they could, which tells us a very very stark reality. And I think it's one that we have to understand this morning, which is that Jesus doesn't get mad at the Pharisees here for something that only the Pharisees could do. The reality is, is that their struggle is something that we all also can fall into. Their struggle is, is a typographic of what it is to be human. That it is just as, as likely that we could be sitting there hearing this from Jesus as it is them. Because these, these folks were really awesome people. Um, and if you think about the things that kind of Jesus talks about in this passage and the issue he has with them, you know, they were experts in the law. The Pharisees knew their Bible very, very well. They wore phylacteries with, with, with the, um, all of Deuteronomy on there. It was basically this thing on their arm, this wooden box with a scroll in it. They actually would uh, put it on their forehead, write it out, put it on their arm. They would memorize it. These people knew their scriptures. And so... That, that was no problem. 
But Jesus, the big indictment that Jesus poses against them is that they were sort of majoring in the minors. The Pharisees were focusing on the things that were external. They were focusing on the things that people could see, but they were neglecting their hearts. What does Jesus say? He says, he says, you actually neglect justice and you neglect love for God. These are the things that they were neglecting. They, they were doing really well in the things that people could see on the outside, but the inside was a mess. And I can go back to that picture from the beginning. You know, we think about this cup. I see this cup most mornings, right, with my coffee. But Jesus is saying, you look good from the outside, you know, if you look at a cup from the side, if you look at this cup from the side, you might go, that's pretty clean. But when you get that different vantage point, when you kind of look in, you go, wow. And that's what matters. You know, no one wants to drink from a cup that's inside is dirty, but the outside is clean. I'd rather have the opposite, um, to be honest. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, guys, you're missing a really key point. And that even though you know your scriptures, you have neglected to do justice and to love mercy, and to love your God. Those are deep things. Those are harder things to do than just give 10% of your income and attend church and attend devotional and have a quiet time, right? Jesus is not saying, you guys didn't do X, Y, and Z. He's saying, you're not loving. He's saying, you're not giving and doing justice to those who need it. You're, you're, you're not doing the deep things that it is to be in the character of God. This is the great challenge that he gives them. But, and it's a big but, it's not the biggest reason why Jesus is mad. This is a big deal. It's not why Jesus flips his lid here. It's not. This is not what makes Jesus so frustrated. Um, and when we think about uh, in this section, what gets Jesus so wild up? And it must be a big deal if it's not love of God and not doing justice, which are massive, massively important to God. What is it that has got Jesus so up in arms? Um, and we find out as we continue reading in the, in the story. And, and what it is, it's verse 47. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify and approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets. They built the tombs. Right? Then he goes on to say, basically, you're not listening. And your ancestors didn't listen. God sent prophets. You killed them. And yes, you build tombs for them, but, but you're not listening to the messengers of God. That is what Jesus is so frustrated about. Jesus can deal with everything else. You name the sin. Name it. Doesn't matter. Jesus can work with a heart that wants to listen. But someone who honors God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him, right? Which is the verse from Isaiah that Jesus uses to indict the Pharisees. You, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Are you listening to the messengers of God? You know, it's a really popular thing to say nowadays. Uh, if you go around UVA or George Mason or any, any school, really, JMU, you ask young people or anybody if they'd like to go to church, a popular answer is, I don't believe in organized religion, which is really interesting to say. And I think, I think a lot of times people say it because they see the negativity, the manipulation that has been had at the hands 
of, you know, the quote unquote church over the years. And they, they think, well, there's safety if I just kind of go it alone here. Um, and the reality is, is that when we talk about the greatest sin here that really gets Jesus so indignant of not listening, we're not talking about reading your scriptures more. We're not talking about having more quiet times on your own. The Pharisees were already doing that. If we, the Pharisees were the greatest experts in the law, in the Bible, in the whole world. They knew their scriptures. Jesus wasn't like, go back to the Bible. They knew the Bible. They could quote the Bible. They could remember. They could read the Bible in three different languages. That was not the issue. The issue is that they did not listen to the messengers of God. Because you can do a lot on your own with the Bible, but the reality is, is you can't get deep into your heart without help from other people. You can't get deep into who you are, those deep things that the Pharisees were neglecting, the heart of mercy and justice and love that aren't just like, let me just go do these things. I'll go do church and I'll go do quiet times. You can do that by yourself. Pretty easy. But actually dealing with the depths of the Pacific Ocean that is your heart, that takes hearing the messengers of God. It takes listening to others. And that can be a very, very hard thing to do. An early church father named Augustine said, there's no salvation outside the church. Um, I think that would probably be a controversial statement today. There's no salvation outside the church. And I believe he's right. I don't think there's any, I I don't think he's saying there's no salvation outside this or that church. I think he's saying there's no salvation outside the body of Christ. We can't be saved. We can't make it if we don't have each other. And this is what Jesus is saying. And Jesus lays it out to these guys. He says, you guys, he says, you actually are trying so hard to be clean. You're washing your hands. You're giving a tenth. You're doing all these things to be clean. But you know what's really happening? You're making yourself unclean and making everyone around you unclean. Can you think of a greater indictment to someone who loves God? Is you're actually leading people away from God by what you're doing. You're actually leading people in the other direction by how you're living. Jesus, Jesus says to the people right at the end, the experts in the law, right at the end, you've, you, have the, you have the key to salvation and you've hidden it so no one can enter. Why have you made things so difficult? In a way, in a way the Pharisees made things more complicated. Sure, it's more simple to just check the boxes and be a box checker Christian, Right? Sure, it's simpler in a way, but it's also way more of a burden. He says you, you put heavy burdens on others and you yourselves are not willing to lift them. When you tell people to do X, Y, and Z in order to become a Christian, do X, Y, and Z in order to love God, it's called moralism and it's a burden. It's a burden to think I got to do these things so God can love me. And so Jesus, sure, he's indignant, but he's indignant not just because they're not doing things quote unquote right. He's indignant because they're putting a burden on themselves and a burden on those around them that is an undue burden. Jesus is like, it's not, it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this complicated. I just want a relationship with you. I just want to know your heart. You can literally make any mistake in the whole wide world. Just let me in. Just listen. Have you stopped listening to the messengers of God in the time of a pandemic? How easy has it been to stop listening to the messengers of God? In the last 12 months, how easy has it been to give up on listening 
to people uh, who have the Holy Spirit who can help you. Um, and that's the title of my lesson. It's coming 15 minutes into the sermon, but a listening heart is a clean heart. And that's a beautiful thing. It's not about, it's not about performance. It's not about your resume. It's simply, are you listening? Are you listening? And Jesus says from the beginning of time, from Abel until now, people that are erring, people that are mistaking the kingdom of God, they're missing it because they're not listening. You know, there's that great verse in James, quick to listen, slow to speak, right? Are we, are we quick to, to, to write out and type out our opinions, our thoughts, and what other people need to do? It is amazing how quickly me, if I can just share vulnerably for a second, it's amazing how when I read this verse, I thought, man, I know people like that. <laughs> Isn't that bad? I know people like that. I'm, I'm, I was being a little bit of a Pharisee, right? A little ironic. That I go, no, that's, that's me. How have I not been listening? That's the whole point. What burden have I been putting on others? And I've, have I been listening to the messengers, the messengers of God? And, and to clean the inside of the cup and dish, this, this is the most important thing that we can take from this verse. It is an issue of salvation. It is an issue of entering the kingdom of God. Is are we listening to others? Now, some of you right now might be triggered because you're like, Drew, you're telling me to listen to others. I don't know if I can do it because what if they're wrong? Let me be a spoiler alert. They're probably going to be wrong. I don't know. It's not, it's not listen to other people because they're always right. It's listen to other people because they can give you an insight into your heart. And whether they're wrong or whether they're right is doesn't matter. It's missing the point. Listening to people is not the same as just doing, I'm not telling you to be a robot. I'm not telling you to obey everything everyone tells you. I'm telling you to listen to people, to listen, to appreciate, to contemplate, to meditate on what is told to you. Some of the best discipling I've received in my life is the kind I didn't ask for. <laughs> the best discipling I've received in my life is the kind that I didn't know I needed. You know, I was talking to James and Sarah, um, who just did our communion. They're a campus minister. Uh, James, uh, sorry, is Josh and Alana Lund. I went to school with Alana, and I was telling James and Sarah that. I didn't hear the phrase, um, hey, can I talk to you after service, more from anyone than from Alana. I feel like Alana asked me before service, which is not what you want to hear before service, like, hey, can we talk after service? You're like, I'm about to get um, destroyed here. But every time Alana talked to me, and, and to my shame, I didn't always respond well. She shared things. She said, when you said this, it hurt me. It hurt people. I don't think you should have said it. When you did this, it hurt me. It hurt people. I don't think you should have done it. And shame on me for not responding well, but I am so grateful that Alana never stopped speaking up to me because what she was doing was giving me insight into my heart. There were even times when I would respond with scripture as an arrogant Pharisee that I was, but she was trying to say, Drew, this is deeper than just scripture. This is deeper than your knowledge of verses. This is your heart. And there's a pattern here of disrespect, a pattern of hurting others because you want to look good, a pattern of not caring about what your words mean to others. And over time, I'm so grateful for what she said to me. I never asked her to speak up to me, but I'm grateful that she did. And praise God, after years and years and years, we've become friends. So <laughs> praise God for his grace. But I think that there is something powerful in the body of Christ. And I pray, church, I beg you, do not give up on that incredible power. And don't let the mistakes of the past stop you from listening to the messengers of God. When we really listen to God, when we listen to him as he speaks through his people, we're able to have a constant refresh of the heart, an auto refresh, if you will, of the heart. 
Um, you know, it, it wasn't about Bible knowledge for them. It's not about Bible knowledge for us. And yes, I am all for having a personal relationship with God. That is not what I'm saying. Of course, yes, go out, walk, be with God, meditate with him. I'm saying that sometimes we, we hide from what God is actually trying to say to us through people um, in our own personal relationship with God. And what the Pharisees fell into is that they didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. They didn't want to hear what the messengers had to say. And Jesus tries his very best here. I believe that Jesus is speaking in the way he does because he knows this might be his last chance to get through to these people. And in conclusion, Jesus does not condemn the Pharisees here. Jesus does not say, Pharisees, you're going to hell, that's it, game over. Jesus is giving them a chance to repent. And though his tone is intense, though he's striking a, a, a tone of conflict, it's because he loves them, because he knows that they're putting burdens on themselves and burdens on others, burdens of legalism, burdens of moralism. Jesus is still giving them a chance to repent in a beautiful way, to experience the joy, the wave upon wave of bliss that is repentance. Not repentance toward, I got to do these different things, repentance in a change of perspective, a change of perspective away from, hey, I have to do good in order to be loved by God. A change of perspective to, no, I want to listen to what God has to say to me at all times because he's already accepted me. We can listen to what God has to say through people, even if it's hard, if we know that God has already accepted us. That gives us the confidence and the security to hear what people are saying about us without thinking, oh no, I, we, we, without taking it too personally. <laughs> and so as we, as we end, I want to encourage you to ask yourself that very question. What has prevented you from listening to the messengers of God? What is God trying to tell you? And, and, and maybe, maybe you too, as well as I, um, need to change our perspective. What would this church look like if we were all eager to listen to each other with the security that comes from the grace of salvation that God has already accepted us? What would it look like in your D group if people showed up eager to listen? What would your friendships look like? What would your marriage look like if you were just eager to listen to what they have to say knowing that, hey, it might be wrong, it might be right, who cares? You know, we says we, as we sing that beautiful song, I hear God singing to me. Uh, I pray that we can hear him singing to us, and I pray that we can hear each other singing to us, um, that it is a beautiful song of repentance. Let's pray, and we'll conclude our service with some announcements. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next time.